Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk. I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative. And today we are kicking it old school, taking it back to our roots. It's just going to be uh, our trusty general manager, Tony Anderson, and I. Good morning. And Tony, I don't know if you remember this, but our very first ever Co-op Energy Talk was just you and I, and we were talking about Germany's energy policy Correct. and nuclear power. So this is... Which was like three years ago? Yeah, it'll be three years in January, yeah. I think. So it's, it's been a while. So it was, it was time for us to just sit back down together for yet another scintillating topic. Of the oldest co-op podcast in the country. Yes. Shameless plug. Oldest <laughs> co-op podcast in the country. Uh, today we're going to talk about beneficial electrification, which is the idea that using smarter electric appliances instead of older gas-powered ones can make us more energy efficient today and also can allow um, more of our energy to come from clean sources over time. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, I would think maybe a good way for us to start is to kind of look at different audience and talk about when we call it beneficial, like who benefits when we do things with electric as opposed to other types of fuel. So, Everybody benefits. The community benefits, the environment benefits, the, the co-op benefits. You know, for a long time we thought, well, selling electricity is kind of a dirty word. We, you know, we had the energy bill back in 2008 where we, we've been conserving energy for so long. We've been kind of afraid to promote products that use electricity. And there are really a lot of products that consume electricity that are beneficial for the environment and create revenue. Because at the end of the day, the, we need meter spin. The more meter spin, the more sales we have, the better off everyone is because we can keep our rates down if we can keep our sales up. And so it should be a good thing to sell electricity. So we're, we're taking a new attitude uh, or recycling an old attitude and saying it, it, electricity is a good word. So let's dig into, you, you kind of start off by saying, well, everybody benefits and the environment benefits. I want to dig into that comment about the environment benefiting, because I think one of the things we're up against is that in many ways, our power supply has changed really rapidly, and public perception of our power supply hasn't changed as rapidly as it's changed. Correct. Yeah. 15 years ago, we were less than 5% renewable, certainly less than 10% uh, carbon-free. Today, we're, we're 18% renewable and we are 56% carbon-free. So think of anything you use in your home that uses natural gas or, or propane, hot water. If you're heating your water with hot water... With natural gas well, or propane. Well, with natural gas or propane, heating your water with hot water, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, if you're heating your water with natural gas or propane, you're burning a fossil fuel. So if you switch that hot water heater to electric... You're now using electricity, obviously, and you're 56% carbon-free, which is a lot better than 15 years ago. So we need people to rethink what they're doing in their home if they, if they want to improve the environment and be more energy efficient at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, it's, it's important to note, like, so you kind of talked about here's where we were at historically and today. Like, literally tomorrow, after you listen to this podcast, you could go out, you can switch your hot water heater, for example, and you are immediately decreasing your carbon footprint. And that's only going to continue. Right. Like if you, I think, I think Cherryland is really out out ahead in this transition, but even the other utilities in our region have set really aggressive decarbonization goals. Mm -hmm. And I think 
the co-ops are going to continue to lead in that. It wouldn't surprise me. I think recently you said we could be 70% carbon-free within the next few years. Yep. In the next five years, I, I, I expect that, you know, with what we're seeing in the industry and what's going on. Certainly we have some zoning issues with wind, but we may be able to get wind from out of the state. And yeah, Wolverine's always been proactive with renewable energy and looking for the best deal. And I, I believe there's some deals that are going to come to us in the next five years that our carbon footprint will only get better. Yeah, and it, and I think it's just there's no low-carbon future that doesn't involve continually switching things that are currently powered by fossil fuels over to electricity. Right. So we, we need to be aggressive in, in that thinking of what do I have in my home that uses gas and propane, mm-hmm. and how can I replace that with electricity? Mm-hmm. You know, that's washers and dryer. Well, dryers, not washers, but uh, certainly it's the heating system in your home. You know, air-to-air heat pumps are affordable. We have the new WellConnect product. That's a Michigan-made product that's very affordable for heating your home. Uh, certainly ground source heat pumps, they they still have a tax rebate, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm using that in my home. Uh, the simple stove in your house can be electric, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, every every home is slightly different, but it's the kind of the, the, the takeaway is sit down, look at your house, ask what are all the things I'm currently dependent on a fossil fuel to fuel, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then let's see, let's give us a call, let's talk and see whether there's an efficient electric version of that that you can switch to. And one of the things that we are rolling out, um, applications become available starting October 1st, is a rebate program designed to help our members make some of those purchases. Oh, absolutely. We're going to have some great rebates on... Um Air-to-air heat pumps, ground source heat pumps, electric cars, electric charging stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're going to have a nice uh, menu of, of rebates that will be significant. Mm-hmm. I think it's $2,000 on a, on a larger air-to-air heat pump. Uh, ground source heat pumps are maybe yeah. a little more. I'm not going to remember the numbers. I know um, the, the rebates range from 500 to several thousand dollars. So there are mm-hmm. significant rebates on all all of these different um, Yeah, you uh, basically can get a rebate that'll cover the charging station for an electric car in your home. Mm-hmm. And you can also, will be able to get a rebate for the electric car itself. Mm-hmm. So we've, we will, October 1, we will have a slew of rebates to help you electrify mm-hmm. everything in your home. And, um, and we kind of hinted at this from in the beginning, but Sometimes I think people we've, – we've already got a rebate program that's really um, focused heavily on helping people to reduce energy waste. Mm-hmm. These two things are complementary, not right. in conflict with one another right. because we hope people as they switch to – well, not hope. The rebate – the fuel switching rebates are also designed to incentivize people to put in the most efficient electric technology available. Absolutely. You know, when you're talking heat pumps, heating systems, even new hot water heaters that are electric are going to be a lot more efficient than their gas c- counterpart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're, we're promoting the use of the one product we sell, but we're promoting it in an efficient way. Mm-hmm. While we're still continuing the energy conservation project for all the old appliances and changing out light bulbs and all the traditional energy conservation stuff we have is not going away. But we're just saying, here's... Here's, here's the compliment mm-hmm. that uses electricity. Mm-hmm. So the obviously there's a benefit to the homeowner. They're going to have an efficient um, electric, low-carbon, clean um, appliance. What are other – like I, I, I like – one thing I think about is our members who are dependent on propane. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of complexities that come with being dependent on propane that we can fix on the electric side. Yep, absolutely. The, there's the volatility of the propane fuel is the most obvious one. 
if you go back and look at the volatility of electric prices, it's pretty minimal. You know, we've had, what, two rate increases in the last 10 years? Meanwhile, propane has gone up and down and mm -hmm. is, I think it's, what, 140% higher today than it was 10 years ago? And and I think that the, the other piece with that is with electric, it, you know, our rates are, are consistent and steady, whereas with propane, it's all dependent on what the price is in the moment when you need it. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes what we find is our members most need it at the time when everyone most needs it, right? It's a super cold winter. Yeah. Propane supplies are, there's a lot of pressure on propane supplies. It's driving up the price. And then all of a sudden your fuel tank is empty and you yep, have no choice but to pay high prices. It's, yeah, that's Econ 101, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Demand is always high in the... In the wintertime and supply gets short and yeah. prices go up. So it, I think that in, and in Cherryland surface territory, while there are, well, there, is a, there are members who have access to natural gas, which is a little better because obviously it's being delivered to you via pipeline. Mm -hmm. um, m most of our members are dependent on propane. Yeah, a lot. We, you know, we serve, what, 35,000 homes and businesses. 95% of those are residential. Mm -hmm. And a large majority of that 95% are, are heating with propane. Yep. So this is a way that we can help not only make them more efficient and cleaner, but also just make their lives a little easier and hopefully help them save some money in the long mm -hmm. run. Yeah. Um, the other p thing that I think, and it's not necessarily true today, but when I think about the long-term benefit to the homeowner, a lot of these uh, new smart appliances, and, and we'll take electric vehicles, for example, they allow you to use electricity at certain times of the day mm -hmm. and to schedule when you're going to charge your, your items or when you're going to heat your hot water. And all that complements itself nicely to what is probably in the future going to be a time of use rate structure. Certainly. That's one of the goals uh, at Wolverine right now is uh, some sort of time of use structure. Don't not sure when that's going to happen, but um, they are working on that. And that's, we really need a signal from our power supplier if we're going to go to time of use rates. But that's one of the biggest questions we get is uh, people who want to help, what's the best time to use my electricity? <laughs> and certainly today there are great times to use your electricity. You know, we, we're typically peak between 5 and 7 p.m. So if you stay away from those hours, you're going to help us just generically uh, on our power bill. But we need uh, a better signal and a more consistent signal so we can give those people a a break maybe too, who can move some of their electric usage to different parts of the day. Mm -hmm. So uh, from for the co-op then, the benefit of having people transition to electricity, obviously you mentioned increased sales, mm -hmm. but I, I think I'd like to hear more from you on the idea of us being able to balance load, grow load during times right now when maybe we have excess generating capacity. Sure. You know, uh, we do have capacity. Wolverine's done a good job of building generation and providing us capacity. And so we, we have the ability to uh, take full use of that capacity by increasing our sales. And certainly we peak in the wintertime. Or, well, we're peaking in the summertime now. We have a, a, a significant peak in the wintertime, but our, our biggest peak is in July. So outside of the July month, we, we have 11 months where we have excess capacity and we need to fill those months. Mm -hmm. And then there's different times of the day. Certainly, you know, uh, during the day, all our people, all our residential people go to work from 8 to 5 typically, and we need to fill those 8 to 5 hours. Then after we peak at 7 o'clock, we, we can fill those hours. And then there's, uh, mm -hmm. the, the, yeah, there's a, we have a lot of time outside of the month of July to use that capacity 
Well, and I think that um, as we continue to incorporate more renewables into our power supply, there's a there's a complementary relationship there as well, especially because one of the most efficient renewables for us to incorporate in Michigan is wind. And we do oftentimes have really good wind production on cold, windy overnights. Mm -hmm. And that's also not a time when we have a ton of people using electricity. So in some ways, when we're saying, should we do that wind contract, one of the questions is, do we have enough demand when we know we're going to have a lot of wind production in order to justify doing that wind project? Mm -hmm. If we were to, say, bring 10,000 electric vehicles onto our system and they're all scheduled to charge between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m., the answer to that question of should I do more wind is probably yes, yes, and yes. Right. Whereas if it, w without that kind of ability to, to grow load during the time when intermittent renewables have a tendency to produce electricity, it's, it's hard to continue to, to move forward with more and more renewable contracts. Right, right. Um, so increased energy sales, better load balancing. I mean, in my mind, it just seems like okay, great. Sign me up. Like I get a rebate. Mm -hmm. My co-op's better off. I'm better yeah, off. Like, why, why aren't you doing yeah, it? Yeah. What do you think are the biggest bar like barriers for people to transition? It's change. We all like to do what we've all done before. I love my propane stove, so I know how to cook on it. So I'm not, I don't want to switch to electric. I've got a propane furnace. You're telling me I got to change that out. And what's the cost of that? And mm -hmm. it just gets difficult to change. And then there's certainly some income barriers for a portion of our membership that can't afford to change out uh, their their heating system. But that's why we're offering the rebates to make that a little easier. And um, so I, I think it's just that. It, it's doing what we've always done and then the, the price. And, and we're trying to help with the price, getting people to change. That's going to be a long message. We just have to beat that drum for a, a long time and get people convinced that, it is beneficial. Mm -hmm. And maybe to think about us when that hot water heater does go bad or that heating system is getting 20, 30 years on it mm -hmm. and needs to be changed out, think of us because mm -hmm. we can help you do that and yeah. everybody can win. And part of that's getting con the contractors who are out working in our system all the time to be thinking about that too. So mm -hmm. when they walk into someone's home and see your Cherryland member and you're currently using you know, propane for hot water, like, let me, let me make this recommendation right. to you. And the contractors have been one of our biggest sources of, of help when it comes to energy conservation and those rebates. Mm -hmm. When we rolled out our lighting rebates and the contractors pushed those rebates really hard because it was good for their business. And I think we can see that coming with the beneficial electrification in, in the form of heating systems and hot water heaters is when they see this list of rebates, the contractors should yeah. get excited about it because mm -hmm. it's going to help their business too. Because yeah. when they put a bid into a residential customer and they can knock off a thousand or two with our rebate, that's going to make them very competitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just reading an article when I was preparing for this podcast about. Um, you prepared? <laughs> yeah, clearly someone <laughs> didn't. Um, no, but the, that uh, the one of the best ways we can work with low to moderate income homeowners is to do more with electricity in their homes that it's kind of so essentially while great energy waste reduction is great that's actually a very those are really costly types of programs to run in the low mm -hmm. to moderate income space but uh, these rebate programs that help them transition over to all electric benefit the homeowner more quickly or the renter or whomever more quickly and are also technically less expensive programs to run in general mm -hmm. for that particular constituency as well. So I think part of it is getting people who are building in that space, right? If I'm building a, you know, 
we talk all the time about affordable housing in our area. If I'm building a, a, a housing development that's, that's hoping to reach that low to moderate income homeowner or renter, getting those people to say, I think I should do more with electric in these homes than propane or natural mm-hmm. gas or whatever. Yeah. And we're talking to developers of new homes as well. I know Frank has talked to a couple of different developers and and who are encouraged by the fact that they can go all electric and not have to mess with gas and make it clean and simple mm-hmm. when they put these homes together. And that's one of our emphasis going forward too is that that's the best time to go all electric is when somebody's building a new building or a new housing development mm-hmm. because then they'll never change, you know, yep. because like I said, people don't like to change, so. And and if you build that house right, you, I mean, if you build it really efficiently, like I'm thinking of the, I can't now, can't think of the name of the project, but the project we were just talking about recently with Frank, where they might Evergreen. Use, thank you. Um, you. You already have like a super low um, electric usage because you're using, you know, the highest quality insulation and yeah. making a really efficient design. And so then throwing in a li- essentially you're saving enough by building an efficient home, but then using electricity for all the rest of your appliances, probably your electric bill looks almost the same as my electric bill looks today in my 15 year old yeah, house. Yeah. That's, that's the goal of these developers in this housing development. It's yet to be built, but their goal is to be net zero. They're, they're going to combine some solar with all electric appliances and uh, heating systems, and uh, they hope to be a, a net zero housing development. And we're very encouraged by that, and we're going to help them get there if we can. Mm-hmm. And and I think net zero is another interesting thing because I think uh, this move towards electrifying all the things fits mm-hmm. nicely with people oh, yeah. who have have that kind of a, a yeah. goal. Yeah, if they get that housing development up and running, we we need to get those guys in here for a podcast, and there you go. They can talk about it in greater detail. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, what other things should we talk about with beneficial electrification? Well, lawn mowing, of course. Oh, my gosh. Doesn't I everybody that. mow their lawn with electricity? Yeah. Okay. So moving to the transportation sector. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about lawn. Yeah. So, okay, for all of our listeners out there, you don't know this, but Tony has recently changed his uh, lawn care approach. Correct. The, the, the biggest waste of gas at, at, in the lawn care segment of our homes is our lawn mowers, our push mowers, our riding mowers. They're horrendous for burning fuel, inefficiently and a, a lot of it. So uh, I'm not the guy who likes to change either, but I've been driving by Lark Lawn and Garden for three years watching their robot mower go. And for the price of a riding lawnmower, I purchased a, a robot lawnmower that does an acre and a half of my yard. And I've got 70 apple trees, and it goes around the apple trees, and it it mows 24-7. I haven't mowed my lawn all summer long because we call her Moana, M-O-W-A-N-N-A, over the, <laughs> the kids' movie that my granddaughter likes. So Moana's out there cutting grass right now as we speak, and it's been wonderful. And she's all electric, lithium batteries. When when she runs down, she takes herself and charges her back up and then goes back out again. So how does she know, how does she, how do you keep it from running away? How does she know where your yard is? It's like an invisible dog fence wire you put around your yard that goes back to the charging station. So she stays within that and then she GPS coordinates in between there and she she mows randomly, but she gets to all the yard and it it looks decent and she cuts off just an eighth of an inch of grass at the time. So she's mulching and recycling. I I don't have to rake any clumps and I don't have to dethatch my yard. And, and I, you don't have to mow it yourself. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that it's more efficient and cleaner and yay. I just like the idea of not having to mow my lawn too. Like I, oh yeah. letting my lawn mow itself is 
I got apples dropping off my trees right now, so once in a while she gets stuck on a big apple if I'm <laughs> if I'm not cleaning my my apples up. But that's happens to the best of us. Yeah, but there again, it's all electric. I'm not burning gas. The environment wins. Cherryland gets uh, a minute increase in electric sales because charging that more doesn't take a whole lot. But uh, it's good for everybody. What uh, are all the more brands making a? Robot mower, or what brand is what brand uh, is Moana? Moana is a Husqvarna, and it's because they're sold locally by a couple different dealers, and so I can get service. But John Deere makes one, and there's a couple other brands. Uh, but Husqvarna is is rated near the top, and they have different levels. If you have a smaller lawn, there's a, a cheaper version than what I have, and um, it works very well. So we can mow our lawns with electricity, heat our water. Uh, you know, the other thing we haven't really talked a lot about is just the electric vehicle transformation mm-hmm. as well. We've been driving our Bolt here for, it will be a year in yep. November, and everybody who drives it loves it. Right. And we had it at our annual meeting, and people were We're convinced that it had an engine in it, a gas engine in it, but <laughs> we popped the hood and proved to them that it did not. Mm-hmm. But it's a fun car to drive, and... Every major manufacturer, car manufacturer, has versions of electric cars coming out in the next year to five years. And we're very excited about the electric car segment because our average residential usage is 700 kilowatt hours. That's pretty low when you look at the national average of 1,200. So if if somebody would purchase an electric car and plug it in, they're going to see an increase in their electric bill. But they won't be stopping at the gas station. You know, there's going to be a, a pretty good savings on the gas they're buying. Mm-hmm. So our revenue will go up 20 to 30%, and their their daily expenditures on gasoline will go down. Cons- considerably. Oh, I, yeah. I don't remember the number. I when, had someone we, run it for me. but Yeah, yeah when we calculate the what the bolt costs, it's equivalent to 100, do- 100 miles per gallon. Sure, yeah. So... It's a great daily driver. It's mm-hmm. got a range of 250 miles, I believe. And so you can go quite a ways mm-hmm. on one charge. And if you're driving back and forth anywhere in our service territory, it'll get you to work and back every day. Mm-hmm. And and it's great in the snow, too, because those lithium uh, batteries are heavy, and it sits in the – it squats on the ground, and it, it does great. Yeah, well, they're fun to drive. And, you know, I think the one – Part of it is a resistance to change. I think also people still are a little nervous about not having a bunch of charging throughout the state, mm-hmm. but I think that problem is going to solve itself pretty rapidly. There, there are a lot of, whether it's yeah. utilities or other other entities, gas stations, yeah. et cetera, the, right. there's a lot of people looking at that. So I don't. I, I think by the time... By the time the major car manufacturers the, the, the are putting out all these vehicles mm-hmm. we're expecting in the next five years, I think that the charging station stuff is going to have solved itself. Yeah, and, and it's growing. Like I recently uh, took a trip to Grand Rapids, not in the Bolt, but I, I looked at Grand Rapids and where I could charge it up if I did take it, and there was like seven or eight places I could go in mm-hmm. Grand Rapids to charge it up. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if I took that Bolt to Grand Rapids, I know I can charge it up and, and get home again. Mm-hmm. And and that's a two-hour drive yep. from here. So they're getting there. We we need a few up here so we can attract the Grand Rapids people up here as well mm-hmm. in electric cars. But it's going to come. Yeah, and and pretty pretty rapidly. One of the things I – every once in a while I'll talk to someone who's skeptical that it will happen here. But I think that what is really compelling to me is the fact that China has set kind of these mandates on having a 
a certain amount of their fleet be electric. And as all the U.S. car companies, because China is their largest market, retool for meeting the demands there, they're not going to want to be making two different kinds of vehicles forever. So I, mm -hmm. I think it's inevitable that that change is going to happen. And um, a quick shout out, we will be doing a podcast later this year with Bill Marsh about electric vehicles in that future. So we'll mm -hmm. we'll dig a little deeper in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about the electric car industry yep. because the price is going to come down. Mm -hmm. and, and the more we use, uh, the more people who buy electric cars and, and the more they grow, that lithium battery inside that car, the, it, the price is going to drop. It's going to get better. Yep. yep. Volume, economy of scale, mm -hmm. just like we've seen with wind and solar. You're going to see that with electric cars. Mm -hmm. uh, so yep. I'm very excited about that and, and a great revenue source for the co-op mm -hmm. as well. Yep. So it's just, again, this whole, if, if nothing else, I hope that what our listeners take away is that when you think about transitioning to electricity, it's a really good thing. It's a really good thing for you. You're potentially going to save money. You're going to have a much cleaner carbon footprint at your home with your vehicle while you're mowing your lawn. Mm -hmm. um, we have rebates available to help you do that. And it will also kind of benefit this clean energy transition and the electric sector oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. When, when I talk to members and they say, well, what can I do for you? I just say leave a light on for us, you know, use, <laughs> use some electricity. Um, and we have so many ways for them to do it. And now we're more renewable and carbon-free and all of that. That just, that, that's another win on top of a win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you have anything else before we go to fun facts? Not that I can think of. Just electrify everything. Yeah, leave a light on for us. Yeah, well, we'll keep we don't your want you down. to. We don't want you to waste electricity, so you don't have to leave a light on well, if you don't need it. Well, leave an LED light on. <laughs> but, but but think of us and mm -hmm. think of the one product we have to sell. And if you don't want your rates to go up, you know, use less gas, use less propane, mm -hmm. and use our product. Yep. And, and save the environment at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, and maybe at some point in time we can do a podcast on this, but the thing that impresses me with a lot of these technologies is how smart they are as well. All the different oh. ways you can integrate them, whether it's with your smartphone mm -hmm. or scheduling different things. So it's just, I think, I think oh. realistically to get there, this electric world lets us have a lot more control. Oh, the, the robot more. You can, you can attach it to your smartphone and you can park it. You can show your friends where it's at in your yard from your smartphone. And in the future, the robot mowers, you're going to be able to talk to Alexa in your house to tell the mower to park or start mm -hmm. or stop. And, yeah, we're going to be more and more connected, obviously, as, as we go forward yeah. to everything, our stoves and our mowers. And yep. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Uh, so, uh, I th ugh. okay, so it's time for fun facts. Uh, Tony, did you bring fun facts? I did. And it, it all has to do with Moana and the robotic mower. Oh. The U.S. lags Germany, Sweden, and England in robot mower sales. Those foreign countries are way ahead of us as far as using robotic mowers. And in January of 17, Husqvarna reached the 1 million units sold worldwide of the robotic mower. So if you think it's a fad or you think it's, it's not, they, they've been building these mowers since the late 90s. And they're now up to 1 million units in operation mowing grass all across the world. And we need to catch up. And Tony does not get a kickback from Husqvarna, just so you know. I don't. He just loves Moana. 
Uh, so mine is a just a total departure, but yesterday I had the opportunity to hear uh, a, an economist, her name is Tawny Ferrari, give a, a talk on Michigan's fiscal fitness, and I, she had a really interesting fact. So between 2000 and 2009, Michigan's per capita personal income growth was the lowest in the nation. We were 50 out of 50 in that decade. From 2009 to 2017, we've moved up to being in the top five in the nation for per capita personal income growth. And I just think that's a really, really cool kind of snapshot look at the ways in which Michigan's economy has improved and that Michiganders are better off. But on the same note, we've still lost more population than we've gained. And because of that, we're likely to lose one seat in the U.S. House after the next census, which decreases our political power. So it's kind of interesting. People are leaving Michigan, Mm -hmm. but our per capita income is is rising. I think there's a lot of opportunity to continue to grow our economy if we kind of stay the course with some of the economic policies we have in place today. Uh, Unemployment is down, so... Demand is up for workers, and the workers are getting paid more, so that's that's excellent. So hopefully it brings more and more people back, and maybe eventually we can earn that house seat back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me to talk Absolutely. about this. And um, for all of our listeners who stuck with us, do uh, make sure to check out our website for those rebates that we're offering as you transition to cleaner, more efficient electric appliances. Mm-hmm.